you know, I think my dream moving here was that, um, that you know that Cheers, the, the old show, the Cheers, the Cheers yeah. show? But the song is like where everyone knows your name. Yeah. And that's my dream. So Steve and I, just last night, we were going for a walk. And we walk in, and this girl, Jacqueline's like, oh, Sue, hey, I was waiting to meet your husband. And I was like, yeah, people don't know my name. In this town. <laughs> like, that's kind of a dream of like me, them knowing me and me knowing them and knowing their hearts and just uh, just the privilege that it is to be with you guys. But thank you so much. It's just been full already to know your story and learn about you, and you guys are our real treasures. So thank you for that. Yeah. It's really fun. Uh, last, oh, a couple of weeks ago, we went uh, to a little... Um, place, a Thai place uh, near near our apartment, mm-hmm. and you guys have probably been there tiny Thai. It's like it's like yeah. that. <laughs> and uh, and our waiter <clears throat> turns out he's a lead singer in a band that was actually playing over at Waterworks uh, near our place. And so we went there last uh, last Friday night. It started like around nine, and there was the place was packed. It was just a really cool, just a really cool uh, spirit in the, in the whole place. And uh, the lead singer actually turned out to be really good. And, uh, you know, not quite sure. Not quite sure. You know, he's, kind of, you know, he's your waiter one minute, yeah, and then he's the lead singer rocking it out. And it was kind of this this, this genre, I guess. Ralph's explained it to me. It's called yacht rock. And so it's kind of like this. If you're kind of going, you know, cruising around in your yacht, sort of the 70s and 80s hits you'd be listening right. to. Right. <laughs> it was great. It was great for us. For our generation. It seemed like there were a lot of different generations there at the yes. place, and it was just really fun. But I've just been sort of eating my way through uh, Burlington, getting, uh, you know, getting noodle bowls with a few of the guys. Uh, you know, going out went to the Mediterranean the other day with uh, with with Ryan and got some uh, some some Greek food or it was it was, it was awesome it was, it was delicious and uh, you know it's really been an honor to be over at your places and I know I, so Pat took me to this like fine dining establishment and everything took me over to Al's and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we feasted on mini hamburgers and, uh, and so it's been really fun. It's been really fun. We're not a classic group. <laughs> 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 right, you know, like, speak for yourself, right? <laughs> 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 Thanks for having us over. Thanks for taking us out. Thanks for being in life with us. We're really looking forward to getting time with, with, with everybody and just getting to know each other, hearing each other's stories. Mm-hmm. And really dreaming of just, just doing something great together. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that God has brought us together for, for such a time as this. Mm-hmm. You know, because, because, you know, it's like Jesus said, like, we're, we're two or more gathered. There's something special going on. That's right. And when we gather in his name, we gather with kind of his vision for our life. And we gather with sort of this new, sort of this new lease on life. Like, every day is a brand new day. That's right. Every moment is kind of a brand new moment. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of cool to, to grasp that and, and take hold of that in a way that, that inspires us and helps us to realize that wow, God did create us for some for some awesomeness. Mm-hmm. And as we come together, that there's even more awesomeness, you know, to be uh, to be built and created there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know God's got great dreams for us and great hopes for us and great plans for us. And we all have a unique part of that, mm-hmm. which is really 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 fun. So I know some of the guys are, right now are watching me because I do tend to sweat a lot, and this is sort of more of a hot yoga room right now. <laughs> so I'm going to try and move around. I'm not going to try. I'm going to try and not gross you out as I uh, up here working out in my in my lesson. But you know, it's really been fun the last few Sundays because you know we've been trying to get to trying to grasp God's perspective on life. It's so easy to go through life and get sort of kind of ground down to sort of man's perspective on life, mm-hmm. or human's perspective on life, which tends to be a lot lower than God's take. It tends to be a lot more base, a lot more negative. And so, but then God comes into the picture and starts to give us faith. He starts to give, help us to see life in a different way, because he is the creator. He created us. He knows exactly how we function, function best. He knows how, exactly how he created life to be lived. And so, you know, uh, a couple of months ago, you know, we talked about one life. And I talked about John chapter 1, verse 4, where it says that in him was life, 
and that life was the light of men. You know, and we talked about just how valuable life is, how precious life is, and how that's really what draws us to him, is, is how he lived his life and the, and the light that it was. I mean, it's still, even 2,000 plus years later, it still shines so brightly. Mm-hmm. You know, as we look at humanity and the history of humanity, there's this guy, Jesus, who lived life and inspired, inspired us all. And inspired us in some really unique ways about, uh, about how to love and how to lead and how to live. You know, we talked about uh, having the greatest year ever. And we talked about that sort of simple yet revolutionary habit. That if we will take Jesus up on this just simple way of training with him, hearing his words and putting them into practice, which he talks about very, you know, very practically in Matthew chapter 7 and Luke chapter 6. You know, it's interesting because even James later on, the, 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 the brother of Jesus, in James chapter 1, he says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And he's kind of echoing that here, that Jesus' word. Put him into practice. And then he says at the end of that, he says, if you'll do that, you'll be blessed if you do it. Mm-hmm. Jesus promises that we're going to dig down deep, lay our foundation on rock, and thrive. Mm-hmm. So if we do it his way, we are going to have the greatest year ever. We talked about uh, being created for greatness last week. And we talked about um, you know, discovering our gifts. And I think sometimes that's a hard question. It's even interesting, even this past week, just talking about that. Is sometimes it's hard to kind of identify, what, what is my giftedness? What was I created for? And, you know, we talked, uh, we talked uh, through um, you know, Genesis chapter 1 and God creating us for awesomeness and how he said it was very good. You know, we talked about Romans chapter 12 and the different kind of gifts that, uh, that it talks about there. And sometimes they're not gifts, it's not like the gift of drawing or the gift of, you know, running fast. It's the gift of showing mercy. It's the gift of encouragement. And God has sown those gifts into the fabric of who we are. That's right. And, we, and I find that when we live out those gifts, life becomes exciting. Life, life takes on a dimension that's just not there. If we're living out somebody else's agenda, yeah. or if we're living out somebody else's sort of life, when we're living out our giftedness, and we're using those gifts to serve, wow, life takes on a, a richness and a contribution that's truly, truly amazing. And we can all experience that. You know, Jesus talked about that being true greatness in Mark chapter 10. He talked about, uh, you know, the greatest among you are those who serve. And, uh, and when we are involved in serving, like even, even tomorrow, being involved in the Martin Luther King uh, Day of Service, mm. uh, it's, gonna, it's, it's, always, it's always, I don't know why, but it's always, for me, it's always a little bit of a revelation that when I just am kind to someone or I just try and find a way to lift somebody else up or serve them according to my gifts, according to their needs, I feel inspired. And it's sort of this like double, triple, quadruple blessing thing happening because it kind of passes it around. And that's really, really extraordinary. You know, today uh, my lesson is entitled, I Have a Dream. And I want us to discuss a little bit uh, what that means for us. That I have a dream. And what, I wanted, what I'm really wanting to do in my own life, and in our life, individually and as a church, as a community, is to really awaken, really invigorate, you know, our sense of meaning and our sense of purpose in, in living, you know, our sense of, of urgency in living. Because again, sometimes life kind of takes us to that sort of just kind of like stuck place where it's just kind of like we're flatlining, we're just kind of going through the motions. And it seems like there's kind of this, there's this, there's this kind of magnetic pull towards that life that we've really got to sort of work against. We've got to intentionally sort of work against that in order to in order to stay in that place of growth, stay in that place of blossoming, stay in that place of awakening where every day really is new. And I think it really comes down to being willing to listen to the master teacher, to Jesus, to listen to his word. And even if it just takes a few moments a day to get in that habit of hearing his words, okay, what's Jesus talking to me about today? I mean, we could read, you know, we could read the passage in John where it says Jesus wept. And we could get something from that. Mm-hmm. We could hear something from that. And then we could say, hey, I'm going to practice that today. And as we did that, we'd see the blessing of life. We'd see our life come to life. And we'd see our life awaken. 
You know, um, I want to ask you a question, and it's a question that uh, you've been asked before, but to me it's kind of a revolutionary question. And it kind of starts to, it starts to affect a part of us that I feel like we really need to be affected in often, regularly. And the question is, what are your dreams? <clears throat> what are your dreams? And the second question that kind of goes along with that is, why, why do we tend to be so afraid of dreaming? Why do we have difficulty with that? <clears throat> I do. And a lot, of, you know, a lot of the conversations that we've been having recently, it's, it's kind of interesting to me how, how easy it is for us to say, I don't know what my dreams are. I don't really have any dreams. And yet it's one of the greatest capacities that God has, has, has made in us is the ability to dream, to envision, to, to, to picture, you know, and, um, and to aspire to. And as we aspire to those noble things that God's put on our heart, it makes us better. And it, may, and it brings the best out of us. And we tend to grow into it. So, so what are your dreams? You know, um, <clears throat> of course, uh, years ago, in the 60s, there was uh, you know, Martin Luther King on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial who did this speech uh, called, I Have a Dream. And I think, uh, you know, Sue and I were just down in Atlanta and we went over to uh, the, you know, the church building where uh, uh, Martin Luther King's uh, father preached and where he worked with his father later on uh, as, a, as a preacher in this, in, this, in this particular church. But, you know, it's really remarkable because, because I really admire Martin Luther King for the way that he was willing to use his life to serve. And he had a certain set of gifts that enabled him to inspire people to, to be their best and to come together. He had a certain level of courage in his life where he was willing to step up and he was jailed multiple times. And he was, of course, spoken against and written against. And, and he put his, his life in the line. He put his family's life in the line. And, um, and eventually, though, he was assassinated. He was killed because of, because of what he represented. But I love a lot of his quotes. And I love, and, and of course, really... Martin Luther King's philosophies came from Jesus. Mm-hmm. One of the things I love about what he, one of the quotes I love what he said was, "Everyone can be great because anyone can serve." Mm-hmm. And I think that's profound. I think that's extraordinary because mm-hmm. it is so much of what Jesus was teaching. Everyone can be great. Everyone can can step into true greatness because everyone can serve. And he was such a great example of that. But we're going to watch uh, his little video, a little four-minute video from the History Channel on Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. And I want you just to take a minute just to talk about it. Because tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day. And I think there's a lot for us to be inspired by and a lot for us to learn uh, from even just that one, one talk that he gave. It's called I Have a Dream. And so uh, let's go ahead and watch it and we'll talk about it. We can dim the lights in the back too. I don't know if I'm Thanks, Rob. On a hot day in August 1963, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. delivered a speech that would define the civil rights movement and his legacy. This, of course, was his I Have a Dream speech delivered on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial during the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. I have a dream. My four little children one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. The March on Washington served as a massive push for economic and political justice for African Americans. Held during the years celebrating the 100th anniversary of the Emancipation Proclamation, crowds marched on the National Mall to watch a variety of musical performances and speeches. Dr. King, a Baptist preacher and prominent civil rights leader, was scheduled to speak towards the end of the day, his debut on the national stage. Up until that point, King mostly addressed small crowds at black churches, rallies, or fundraisers. This time, he would be seen by nearly 250,000 people on the ground 
as well as millions at home watching on television. This was an opportunity to reach a wide audience and persuade the public and the government to take action against racial injustice. The night before, King worked with a close group of advisors to get the speech just right. They worked through the night, settling on a final draft in the pre-dawn hours of August 28th. Interestingly, the phrase, I have a dream, a phrase he used in earlier speeches, was nowhere to be found in this copy. The words wouldn't manifest until almost halfway into Dr. King's speech, when gospel singer Mahalia Jackson, who had performed earlier in the day, called out to him from the sidelines to tell them about the dream. <laughs> King set his prepared remarks aside and improvised the rest, crafting a soaring speech that would sear into the minds of millions of Americans. No, we are not satisfied and we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. The speech was divided into two parts. The first listed the injustices that African Americans faced segregation, police brutality, disenfranchisement, and discrimination, and urged a call to nonviolent action. The second launched into King's dream of peace and racial harmony, a vision of a future in which people will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream. Highlighting King's skills as a preacher, I have a dream was part sermon and part poetry, using rhetorical devices like repetition, rhyme and vivid metaphor to drive his points home. It was peppered with historic, biblical, and literary references that moved the crowd. This message of struggle and hope became the defining moment not only of King's career, but also the civil rights movement. Both the speech and the March on Washington were credited with helping secure the passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 a landmark piece of legislation that ended segregation and banned discrimination on the basis of race or sex in the workplace. Free at last! Free at last! Thank God Almighty! We are free at last! The speech also resonated with activists around the globe. I have a dream. The phrase that wasn't even meant to be in his final draft appeared in political actions all around the world. It's considered one of the world's most transformative and influential speeches, alongside others like Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address and Winston Churchill's Blood, Toil, Tears, and Sweat. I Have a Dream is only one of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s many achievements, but it's nonetheless one of the most pivotal. I am happy to join with you today in what will go down in history as the greatest demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation. What's your testimony? Kind of maybe hit you in terms of just uh You know, that speech or even a presentation. I think globally, one of the things that really strikes me is how the Bible transformed culture. Mm -hmm. Even when you look at Gandhi, Gandhi got his entire movement through Leo Tolstoy. Mm -hmm. Leo Tolstoy was a radical Christian mm -hmm. who believed in a wide variety of different theories and really Christian beliefs and some others. And when I listen to what he says, particularly what strikes me is uh, being judged by the content of our character, because I think the Bible spends a lot of time talking about the character of God and the character that we have. So yeah, yeah, so, so true. Love it, yeah. It just stands out to me as how uh, Martin Luther King and the whole movement uh, took a nonviolent resistance approach to evil. Mm -hmm. And to me, I just was reading this morning, it's hard because Jesus told us to love our enemies. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a whole lot harder than loving my friend. Mm -hmm. that's so true. Sure. He called, not only did he do it himself, but he called hundreds. Yeah, yeah. 
I just was thinking about like the impact of, that a dream can have, and the fact that they were talking about how that's you know one of the most recognizable statements across the world. Right. And just being somebody that was born you know 25 years after that happened, and like how different the world is today, like looking back and, and seeing things like that, mm-hmm. you see how powerful that like a dream can become. Yes, mm-hmm. totally. Look over Luke chapter four. Sue and I kind of laughing during one part of it because. Uh, I think it's so fascinating that that wasn't even his, in his, in his yeah. speech that day. Come on, yeah. women. And it was Tell a woman in the crowd. Tell them about the dream, Marty. <laughs> you know, that, uh, that got him, you know, right. got him to go there. And I can't, it's kind of amazing me, all the things that came after that. That was all sort of like, you know, just kind of from his heart. But I love that. I love, I love that idea of the power of a dream. <clears throat> And I think that there's, 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 ex, there's extraordinary power of a dream in our families. Mm-hmm. I read a book one time that talked about how important it is for a dad, for the sake of his kids, and in particular this, this was about daughters, how important it is for dads to have big dreams. And to sort of have this idea of, of the dad is, is going for things that are meaningful in his life, and he is kind of, you know, he's involving his family as his team in that. And, and that was something that really struck me. I think a dream is really powerful in, in shaping ourselves. If we don't have a dream for our life, typically what's going to happen is we're just going to kind of go, we're just going to sort of live day to day. We're going to live sort of temptation to temptation. And we're just going to sort of kind of live out sort of the, the, the way our flesh would kind of take us as compared to the way the Spirit wants to take us. And, uh, and so it's so important, I think, even in our personal lives that we have a dream. It's certainly important in our church that we have a dream. And we're going to talk about that you know, a little bit more over the next few weeks, about, about Jesus' dream and Jesus' dream for us and, and where he's trying to, to, to lead us to. But, um, but the power of a dream. You know, it was really the power of a dream that, that uh, Jesus took hold of. You know, Jesus spoke in a lot of, in a lot of very uh, symbolic, a lot of very idealistic terms. He's talked about things like love. He talked about things like love, like light. He talked about things like being a, a city on a hill, about not putting our light under under a bowl. He was also very practical in a lot of things that he taught, but he was also very aspirational in a lot of things that he taught. And I think a lot of that was because he was trying to get us to lift, kind of lift our eyes mm-hmm. out of the mundane, out of all the all the stuff that's happening all the time. And all the stuff that can kind of draw us down. And to get ourselves to lift up our eyes and say, hey, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are created for, for, for something great. And let's live it out and let's go for it together. Mm-hmm. Jesus had that same sense in his own life. So in Luke chapter 4, it's kind of an amazing time because earlier in chapter 3, we, we see Jesus growing up. And we see that he was growing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. You know, Jesus, believe it or not, was not always Jesus. Jesus had to grow into who he was, and he had to grow into into the moment where he was 30 years old, and it was time for him to sort of step into this mission that he was given, this work that he was given. And he stepped into that work, not just to sort of give give it a good try, he stepped into that work to finish it and to complete it. And so in Luke chapter 3, Jesus is baptized by John. And it's crazy because when he, after he's baptized, this voice, this you know, God's voice comes from heaven. And it's almost like he's looking Jesus in the eyes as his son. And he says, he says, you are my son, whom I love. With you, I mean, he's addressing, he's addressing him directly. With you, I am well pleased. He's like, I'm with you. I love you. I'm proud of you. You're amazing. You're my son. I treasure you. But it's interesting because even after that, Jesus didn't go right into his ministry. There was still some heart work that needed to happen. There was still some, some kind of like deep soul work that needed to happen. Mm-hmm. That I think is often what we need to do. Like sometimes when we're asked, well, what's your dream? Sometimes we think that should be sort of just a, a kind of a casual, hey, here's my dream that's kind of obvious. And it doesn't require <clears throat> work. I think what we see from Jesus is that it requires a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It requires a lot of work to say, who am I? What are the options that I have? What am I going to intentionally choose? 
And that's so much of what Jesus was facing in the desert. He, was, he went into the desert intentionally to be tempted and to be tested. So that when he really started his ministry, he was all in. He was hungry. He was ready for the hustle. He was humble towards what he had committed to. That this wasn't just going to be something that he did sort of superficially. This is something he was going to do with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so he goes into the desert and he's tempted. And Satan comes to him and says, well, how about this dream? Well, how about this dream? This would be a good dream for you. Hey, we could do this dream together. And Satan's trying to kind of, you know, get Jesus down from the dream that he, that he knew he was made for, but a testament. And so I think that the amazing thing is through that testing, he, he found clarity. And I think a lot of times, guys, through our testing and through the things that we go through in life, it may be difficult. And it may be hard, but what happens is a lot of the junk gets sort of burned off yep. and we get clarity about who we are, why we're here, what our gifts are, what's important, mm-hmm. what our priorities are. And I really believe that for all of us, there's things that are trivial, that, that, are, that may be fun, and, and we've got to engage in all those things as well, but there's things that are important. Right. And there's things that are a priority. Mm-hmm. And that's so much of how Jesus, you know, lived his life. It's like in, Je- in Luke 13 where, where, you know, Herod comes to him through some other guy and said, Hey, Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus said, Go tell that fox. I will drive out demons and heal people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must keep going. Because no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. And Jesus stated why he was here. And he prioritized it in his life. And I think it's important that we are willing to go through that, sort of that, um, uh, that, that uh, what's that word? That, that, uh, refining. The refining, that's, yep. The refining of our, own, of our own dream, of our own sense of purpose, our own sense of mission. So Jesus goes through that, and let's read what happens. Mm. Chapter 4. It says in, in, in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. So the Spirit takes him into the desert. He comes out of the desert in the power of the Spirit. He connected. He found clarity. He found that he synced up with the Spirit. So he's coming out of the desert filled with power and filled with a sense of focus. So he comes down, the power of the Spirit, news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the, on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And you can always just hear the mic hitting the floor, right? Wow, what a profound moment. This moment inspired that moment. Mm-hmm. That moment never would have happened if it wasn't for Jesus taking hold of his dream. If it wasn't for Jesus taking hold of what the Spirit had anointed him for. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I think we think that the, the, the work that we've been called to is lesser mm-hmm. than the work that Martin Luther King has been called to. Or it's lesser you know, than what Jesus was called to. I think what Jesus is trying to express to us is, no, it's, it's just yeah. as important. This was Jesus' mission. This was his calling. But your, your calling is just as important. Think of it as your kids and your family. Are, those, are, your, are, is our, are our families any less important to God? Or you know, any less important at all than the people that Jesus is talking to here? No, that's, those are, that, that's, our, that's, our, that's our mission. That's our, that's our work. That's our calling. That's our love. That's our heart. And it's important, I think, that we, that we raise the importance of our relationships and our giftedness and the ways that we can serve 
to a level of importance that gets our attention and it gets our priority and it gets our own kind of juices flowing to say, no, this is important and I need to show up and I need to use my gifts to serve because it's important. It's urgent even that you bring what you bring to this group, to our society, to your family, to your workplace, to your school. It's important. I want to ask you, when you look at this passage and you read through it, what stands out to you from this passage about Jesus? Kind of uh, saying, I have a dream. Yes, I think the thing that hits me is how, how specific it is. Mm-hmm. The means in there. Yes. And it's, you know, Jesus is reading it, and it's very specific to him. It's his vision, his dream, his calling. Um, very personal. And then the other thing is that if you read that scripture, it's, it's all action. Mm-hmm. Like there's a vision of who he is and why he has come, but then there's action after action to preach good news to the poor, to pro- proclaim freedom, to, to recovery of sight for the blind, to release mm-hmm. the oppressed. And, um, it's just very, it's, it's not just this vague vision. It's, it's like Martin Luther King, too. It, it, it's, it's personal. I have a dream. Mm-hmm. But then Martin Luther King is very specific. This is my dream. This mm-hmm. is what I envision. This is what I see. And, you know, Jesus, Martin Luther King, talking like that, it's just inspirational. You, mm-hmm. you hear it, you you get caught up in it, and you're like, I want a dream, you know? Mm-hmm. I, want, I want something to do. I want a purpose. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so personal to him, to Jesus. Great. Yeah. Right. Um, I think the, the thing that comes out to me is it was very wasn't that he was handed a scroll and he read the first thing that came to his mind. Mm-hmm. He searched through it and those were probably a pain to find the right scripture in those scrolls. So it was very intentional. <laughs> yeah. um, and I also like that it was based in scripture. You know, I mm-hmm. feel like a lot of my goals aren't based in scripture. Yep. They're just, what do I want to do? What, what do I want to accomplish? And he, he had spent some time and knew what his dream was based on scripture and where it was. Mm. Yeah, a sense of ownership comes 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 out loud and clear, doesn't it? In terms of uh, him him speaking about it and, and turning to those passages very very specifically. Yeah. Tom. Um I love the sense of just being in his hometown, I think he was, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. People like, Who is this dude? You know, like, mm. I know this man, he's not this big shot, but I think when we hold on to God's view and vision of us or yep. the bigger picture people who know us from our birth, right? They're like, <laughs> right. it's a small Kyle. Like, he's not going to do nothing, you know? <laughs> right. But with God and, you know, holding on to his dreams, he can accomplish big things. He can speak it out and actually, you know, not just like it's a calling of the wind or, you know, just I'm speaking something great, but we can actually do it, you know? Yeah. Um, I just love that call that Jesus gives us. It was, you know, sight and vision. Yes. That's great. That's great. It's so true because oftentimes we, 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 we want, I don't know, we kind of gauge ourselves according to the people around us' opinion of us. Right. And it is interesting that Jesus wasn't Jesus at this point as we know him. Right. He was just the dude who grew up down the street. Right. And so who is he, you know, to come and say stuff like this? Right. But I think that's where his faith and his, and his, and his owning it really came in. Yeah. Hey. Uh, two things that really stand out to me on this one is, you know, in the very beginning, uh, where it says that he returned to Galilee with the power of the Spirit. So he just, he has this purpose. He's just like, all right, like right, I'm going to go do this right now. Like, this has happened. And so he's, he's driven. He's got purpose, intention. Like, he knows exactly what he wants to do. Yes. And he knows he has the authority behind him. Yes. So he has that, that confidence. And then that <clears throat> leads me to the, the second point of, you know, verse 18, where he reads the scripture, and then 20, uh, the eyes of everyone on the synagogue were fastened on him. So imagine when he's reading that scripture, mm-hmm. he is reading it so powerfully that everyone's like, what? Right. Like, just that, Right. what's he going to say next? You know, yeah. they're, they're just fastened on him, they're just going, all right, you, you've read this, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, is that, there, he was just, he was, he was, he was all in. 
And he was reading it so personally that way. Yeah, I'm really struck by the scripture in general that, like, Jesus is basically saying, like, I'm here to love the people that everyone else judges. Like, mm-hmm. people that were prisoners, people that were poor, people that were blind or oppressed. Like, everyone thought that there was a reason that they were treated that way and mm-hmm. that they deserved to be treated that way. And Jesus mm-hmm. was like, no, I'm coming to free those people. I'm coming to love those people. And that was, like, outrageous. Mm-hmm. And so I love that that's what he focused on. He yeah. was like, I'm coming to bring good news to those people and to free yeah. those people and to help those people yeah. um, that no one else was helping at the time. Mm-hmm. It's true. You know, in Isaiah 1, it's in, in Isaiah 61, it's interesting, Jesus left out a line mm-hmm. from Isaiah 61 that he was quoting. And he, and, he, and he left out the line of the day of vengeance of yep. our God. And it's interesting that he left that out because really this is a message of bringing favor the year of the Lord's favor mm-hmm. and not revenge and not vengeance. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to that point that Jesus really has good news to share with us. Mm-hmm. That really is good news of great joy for all people, setting us free, giving us sight, mm-hmm. inspiring us uh, in these kind of things. I think the thing that, well, one, just that God said to him in his audible, he's like, he before Jesus even did all this stuff, he said, you're my son of my love with you. I'm well pleased. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we need to, I know, I need to feel like it's not about what I've, all my performance. Like he already felt that way about mm-hmm. him. You are so valuable. You are completely unconditionally loved. Yep. And he hadn't even started his ministry yet. You know, and I think that for me, just the privilege to know that God is with me and that, and again, Satan's the one who's trying to go, nah, hang with me better. And But just the privilege that, I've already like I've already won. I'm already on the dream team. I'm already, and I, then I think like even as we're discovering our own gifts that I think change sometimes through various parts of our our life. The great thing from reading Luke four is just that what I do get to do no matter what is introduce people to the greatest dreamer. Yeah. And then they can get their dreams come true because dreams are the stuff Jesus is made of. Yeah. And so if I have trouble finding the specifics. I know that no matter what, it's like, okay, but I get to go introduce people to Jesus, to that guy, then he could do the rest of that work because he's going to help them develop their personal dreams. But, like, no matter what, any day, my bad day, my best day, whether I I feel like some of my personal things are coming true or not, that I always get to introduce them to the greatest dreamer, Jesus, and that's my job. (laughs) He'll take care of the rest of, of fulfilling their dreams, and it's just an honor that I get to do that, you know. You know, I get to point people to the greatest dreamer, you know. Totally. Look over in John chapter 1. I'm going to close out with this. I love it. You know, um, I found this passage, and and it's kind of of changed the way I think about this whole thing in John chapter 1. Because I think for me, it's easy sometimes to look at Jesus and go, well, big dreams are for him. That's cool. I've tried a few things in my life. Some of them went okay, some of them didn't go well, whatever it might be. But there's a lot about life that tends to sort of dampen our dreams. And we wouldn't feel like, you know, there's a scripture out there that we could stand up in front of our hometown crowd and say, this one's about me. And I think that's really a shame because I think there are passages that are directly meant to inspire you mm-hmm. and your life. And you could actually maybe say that they were written for you. Yeah, it's true. And I want to show you an example of that here in John chapter 1. It's interesting. In verse 19 it says, Now this was John's testimony about the new, uh, when the news of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confess freely, I'm not the Christ. <laughs> and they asked him, Then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. And so John had a really good feeling about who he was not, right? (laughs) And I think a lot of times we know who we're not. And sometimes we get a little bit negative about about that, kind of who we're not, or how we don't compare to others, or whatever it might be. But it's interesting because, because they went on to ask him a question that to me is a question we've got to ask each other, and we've got to ask ourselves. It's interesting. He says... He finally said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. Now listen to this. It says, what do you say about yourself? 
Mm. And I want to ask you that question. What do you say about you? Who are you? You know your weaknesses. You know your strengths. You know your past. You know your present. Who are you? And yeah, we need to be clear about who we're not. And John was clear about that. But then they asked him the question, well, who are you? What do you say about you? Mm. Because honestly, guys, at the end of the day, that's the most important person in this whole conversation. Mm. It's you talking to you. Yeah. Because God can say all he wants. Your friends can say all they want. But if, but if you're saying something different to you, that's the one you're going to go with at the end of the day. Mm. See? And so we got to really figure that out. What do you say about you? Now let's see what John said, how he answers that. John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet. It was from Isaiah that Jesus also replied. John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of the one calling in the desert, make straight the way for the nature. You know, I think you could say, in a sense, this could be all of our theme paths. Because John had... This idea that he must become greater, I must become less. He said, my job is basically just to prepare the way for the Lord mm-hmm. and point people to him. Yep. And I think in a way, that's what a Christian is. Yep. That's what a disciple is. Not about us. We must become less, he must become greater. It's about us going, hey, I may be, you know, I may have weaknesses, I may have challenges, but let's follow him together. Let's prepare the way for the Lord. But I want to ask you, what are your theme passages? What are your anchor scriptures? What are the things that you hold on to that are especially for you? Mm-hmm. That you could stand up and, and, and say, this one's for me. This one describes who I am and where I'm going and where I'm called to. You know, I love this where he says, he says, I am the voice. And uh, we've got some plans for next Sunday. I want to to describe a little bit in terms of um, kind of discussing this a little bit amongst, amongst ourselves. Oh, yeah, so next Sunday we're hoping that um, if you want to come early at 9.30, we'll have coffee or you can bring a snack, but we're planning on having the women in here from 9.30, well, and you can get here at 10, but 9.30 till 11, and the men in the, the kids' room. Um, but all the girls, whether you're 2 or 82 in here, and all the boys, whether you're 2 or 82 in there. And basically, we're just going to have a time. The, the women are going to work on whatever you want. Like, we're going to do vision boards, and we're going to do, we'll bring supplies to do, you know, our own I Have Dreams and figure out our own voice and get into, or maybe you don't like vision boards and you're not a visual learner. Maybe you just want to write a rap. Maybe you want to come up with a poem, or here's some passages that really describe me and my, my dreams for myself in 2020. Um, and then the guys are going to, the Green Mountain faith men, mm-hmm. men of faith, are going to do their thing in the other room. Um, they might not want to do vision boards, but that's okay. And, and we're just going to get some time separately as men and women, especially because it's hard to get together all the time on Wednesdays, like with all the sisters, and be able to have that time. So we're going to split up from 9.30 to 11, and then we're going to come back, and I think the beer horse are going to do communion for us, um, before they leave us, their farewell communion. We'll come back together for communion on um, next Sunday at 11 and just uh, get to hear from God's word from Beer Horse about that and just get a chance to get to know each other and as sisters and as brothers to really kind of figure out our own dream. And uh, I think that passage in Proverbs 29 too where it talks about without faith, without vision, people perish. The other translation is a lot about like without, if we don't have a vision, a prophetic vision for our lives, it's so easy to just sort of like cast off restraint like we just don't we just sort of we sort of wander and just the privilege to be able to help each other kind of um, find that kind of vision so we're going to get some time to do that and just we kind of call it our own little mini like like dream sesh so um, hopefully that will be encouraging and we get to know each other a lot more and pray for each other and then so yeah so the guys will do something very similar in terms of even vision boards you know I don't think vision boards are no. <laughs> so we're going to talk about our vision and our dreams and talk about I have a dream. And a lot of it is kind of how you relate to that. Because mm-hmm. you might relate to that visually. You might relate to that by, you know, your favorite scripture. Mm-hmm. You might relate to that by some some tragedy or some challenge that you've been through in your life yeah. that's kind of shaped 
kind of your sense of purpose. Yep. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways that we come to our mission, and uh, we kind of find that. And you may not have it all figured out, and that's what it's going to be about as well, is, is us helping each other just by talking about it to, to, um, to understand kind of what our, what our dream is and how we would say that I have a dream, you know, speech. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's going to really be fun. It's going to be sort of a vision workshop that we'll have next week. Mm-hmm. And then the following Sunday um, is we're going to have the chairs back a little more in sort of a half circle, but with more of a, um, you know, a podium, the singers kind of up front, that kind of thing. And then um, we're going to be, I'm going to be preaching on kind of putting it all together and kind of where we're going, who we are, and how we're going to get there. And so we'll be talking a little more on a personal level next Sunday about what our dreams are. And honestly, at the end of the day, really our dreams together as a community, mm-hmm. it's more of just sort of a collection of our dreams yeah. individually mm-hmm. and putting those together and saying, hey, here's, here's, uh, here's what we're going to do. And so I'll talk a little more about that specifically as well. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll be handing out calendars. We want to get some conversation going about our, our, our calendar for this year, uh, some of our goals and dreams for, for this year and beyond and who we're really trying to become as a fellowship and as a, as a brotherhood and sisterhood um, moving forward, okay? And so uh, that'll really be, that'll really be uh, exciting. Um, so now we're going to enjoy some uh, community together. And of course, communion is about us. It's about community. It's about us communing with each other, communing with God through the, the body and blood of Jesus. And thank goodness we have that opportunity to go down totally forgiven, totally personally, totally without anything between us and Him. And to know that God is saying the same thing to us. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. I'm proud of you. I'm well pleased with you. And we get to have that because of our brother. And so as we take the, uh, the juice, let's remember Jesus' blood, we take the bread which remember Jesus' body and his life and let's let's get a little bit closer to one another and a little bit closer to God because we kind of share this kind of uh, small celebration today. Okay? Let's pray and uh, we'll enjoy the community.